Is that really in the Bible? Well, we were all born into a ready-made world of religion. I, uh, I don't think any of us ever questioned it. We, we assume the traditions around us come uh, straight from the Bible. Most people are educated by the Bible, by what they've been told by others. My minister said so. It's the greatest authority they have. Uh, they wholeheartedly put their trust in another's opinion about the Bible. Well, in seminary school, a man or woman is taught a theology about the Bible. It's a uh, set of beliefs that the student assumes is right. We never ask the question, what if there is some error in the things I've been taught about God? And the real problem is, these errors are passed on to the congregation as absolute truth. Hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? You know, one thing that religious people cannot stand is for someone to come along and challenge them about their faith. They can't, religious people cannot stand this. And, you know, you have to understand why. One of the main reasons is because most religious people cannot defend what they believe from the Bible. And so, you know, I have a program, I'm, I'm very aware of this, of how people get upset when you challenge their faith, because I have a program called, Is That Really in the Bible?, where I am deliberately doing just that. I'm saying much of what you believe cannot even be proven from the pages of your Bible. Jesus didn't go to church on Sunday. Jesus never sat around a Christmas tree swapping gifts with his brothers and sister. Jesus never went to an Easter sunrise service. Jesus did not teach that people go to heaven immediately when they die. Jesus did not teach the immortality of the soul that is preached today. So, you know, there's just a lot of things out there that I deliberately put forth to try to challenge you to blow the dust off your Bible, to quit being spoon-fed everything that your minister tells you. Uh, I don't care if he's been to seminary school. I don't care about any of that stuff. You've got to prove things for yourself. You've got to believe your Bible and quit just being spoon-fed everything you're told from the pulpit. Because you're going to answer to God for your faith. And you're not going to be able to say, my minister said so. You're going to have to know what's in your Bible. So I'm very aware of the fact that people do not like it when you challenge them about their beliefs, when you challenge them about their faith. Now, what Christians do is they go into a survival mode uh, that they go into. And one of the since they cannot prove their faith from the Bible, in other words, they can't turn to the Scripture and say, Jesus went to church every Sunday morning and, and, and worship. They can't, Jesus went to went, celebrated uh, Christmas with his brothers. They can't, they can't prove that, okay? They can't turn to a script. So they go into a survival mode, and that survival mode is called labeling. They label people, and they say, oh, well, he's a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, well, he's a seven-day Adventist. Oh, he's a Mormon. Oh, he's a Jew. You know, and believe me, 
labeling is very powerful. And for most people, once you label them, that's good enough. In other words, they'll say, okay, I guess I shouldn't listen to him. He's a Jehovah's Witness. He's a seven-day Adventist. He's a Mormon. He's a Jew. Okay, I can't listen to that person. And, and that's all you have to do is just label the person. And they will cut that person out of their life for all of eternity because you've labeled them. And, you know, when I tell someone, you know, if you tell someone, for example, that you keep the seventh-day Sabbath, did you know immediately you are labeled as a cult? Yeah. You're not even considered to be a Christian if you keep the fourth commandment. You are labeled as a cult, which is very strange when I think about that because we're talking about the fourth commandment and Isaiah 66 and verse 23 says, From one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. Now this is speaking of when Christ returns and sets up his kingdom on this earth, that all flesh, yes, that includes yours, that includes you, all flesh, that's you, are going to keep his Sabbath. So, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm labeled as a cult because I keep the Sabbath, but one day you're going to be keeping it when Christ returns. Unless you're, going, unless you're planning on arguing with Jesus, and maybe you can do that, but I don't think you're going to get very far. Now, <clears throat> for a lot of people, Labeling is all you have to do in order to dismiss everything that they say. Again, you just say, well, oh, don't listen to that person. He's a Jehovah's Witness. Don't listen. Seven-day Adventist. Oh, don't listen. Oh, Mormon. Don't listen. To, you know, Jew. Don't listen to him. That's all you got to do. Labels are used all the time. And they really are used to destroy people. I mean, a ra he's a racist. Well, is he really a racist? He's a Democrat, he's a Republican, he's whatever the label may be, and then for some strange reason, we can dismiss everything else about that person. That person is worthless, that person is no good, that person has been labeled. And this is the survival mode that religious people go into when they cannot defend their faith. They start to label people. Now again, I'm talking about that one of the things religious people cannot stand is for the, someone to come along and challenge their faith. And I'm talking about a survival mode that Christians go into. Now, if labeling doesn't work, then they have to up it one. The next step is to demonize the person by calling them names. That's the next step. If labeling doesn't work, the next step is to demonize the person by calling them names. Now, one of the names that I've been often called is a legalist. Well, you're just a legalist. Yuck. That's terrible. Oh, he's a legalist. Now, again, labeling is very effective. But when you start demonizing people and calling them names, this is really effective. I mean, it, it works. It works. Oh, he's a legalist. Don't listen to a word he says. And just by labeling, just by calling a person name, a name, it works very well. Now, again, the reasons Christians do the reason Christians do this, go into this survival mode, is because they cannot defend their own faith, and so it's just easier to say, "Oh, well, he's a legalist. Don't listen to a word he says." Now, a legalist is a person who believes. He can get right with God by obedience. Now, I've been called this over and over again. 
Do I believe I can get right with God by obedience? No, never have believed that. I've always understood that salvation is by faith, by grace, by the faith in Jesus Christ in what he did for me. I am not a legalist, never have been, but I am called a legalist because I believe in obeying God. Now that's the reason I'm called a legalist, because I believe in obeying God. Strange, is it not? It's, I mean, it's very strange, because John 14 and verse 15 said this, If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, I bet a lot of people would call Jesus a legalist. I mean, here is here he's if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what's that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with loving God? I just thought love was an emotion that you felt. You know, you just felt, oh Jesus, I love you. Here I come. I know. I thought that's all. A lot of people would probably call Jesus a legalist. Now, I understand obedience is not how we get right with God. But obedience and keeping his commandments is how we show our love toward God and fellow man. The first four commandments tell you how to love God. Now, I believe that the last six, which tells us how to love our fellow man, those last six are written within the consciousness of, of mankind. In other words, we know it's wrong to lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery, they're internally written within the consciousness of mankind. But the first four that tells us how to love God, you've got to be educated about how to do that. They're not already in, the, in your mind. You have to be told, this is how you love God. So the first four tells us how to love God. The last six tells us how to love our fellow man. So when Jesus comes along and says, look, you know, the, talks about two commandments. A lot, of, a lot of ignorant Christians think that, you know, Jesus changed the law and it's just two commandments. Love God, love your fellow man. That's just a summary of the Ten Commandments. I change not, God says. God doesn't change his law. God doesn't change things. The first four tells you how to love God, the Ten Commandments. The last six tells you how to love your fellow man. Nothing has changed about that. Nothing has changed. Now, you cannot love God and not keep his commandments. I don't care what, I didn't, now, I didn't say you couldn't be religious. You can go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday. You can, oh, it's great to know the Lord. I just love Jesus. You can be deeply religious and not keep God's commandments. But what I'm saying is you cannot love God and not keep his commandments. Now, the reason I'm called a legalist is because I believe in obeying God. Now, it's strange. If I didn't believe in obeying God, you know what I would be called? I would be called a brother in Christ. I would be called a Christian if I didn't believe in obeying God. It's sad that we have gotten to this point. It's really sad that as a nation, as our feudal Christianity that, that we have today it's almost futile. Now, I'm not saying everybody is, but it's just, it's, it's lost something. And believe me, it's lost something. It's not changing our nation for the better. I can guarantee you that. We don't see a nation that is getting closer to God. We see a nation that is getting further away from God. There's something wrong with our religion. But it's sad we have gotten to this point. Uh, you know, I recently posted something about Halloween should not be in church. You don't have to have a lot of brain cells to figure that one out, I don't think. But, you know, 
but you know, it shouldn't be. Halloween should not be in church. I don't care whether the children like it or not. I don't care if they enjoy cutting out the pumpkins. The point is this. Those children that you think you're doing a service toward by keeping Halloween in your church are going to grow up and become teenagers. And there's one thing about teenagers that I know. They can identify an authentic person. They can identify an authentic religion. And as they grow up to be teenagers and they say, oh, look at this. Halloween's in church. Doesn't fit. Doesn't make any sense. You know, my parents' religion is a bunch of hogwash. We got Halloween in church. And they leave the church never to come back. Do you ever ask the question why your church can't keep your children and when they become adults in the church? Well, I'm telling you why. Because your church is involved in a pack of lies like bringing Halloween into church. Shouldn't be there. You got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Children can identify an authentic person, an authentic religion, and it doesn't take a lot of brain cells for them to figure out once they become teenagers that something isn't right about Halloween and being in churches. But I, I mentioned something like this, and someone said, you're a legalist. Oh, you're a legalist because you think Halloween shouldn't be in church. Really? <laughs> I tell you. So if you want to be called a legalist, just obey the law. Just do what the Bible says, and you will be called a legalist. Now, you have to understand what's going on. Christians who don't want to do anything, and that's the majority, they have to demonize others. You know, Christians that believe, oh, just give your heart to the Lord. I love, Je praise Jesus. Isn't it great to know the Lord? Isn't it great to, have, to love Jesus? I love Jesus. Just come down to the altar. Give your heart to the Lord. Give your hand to the preacher, your heart to the Lord. Just invite Jesus into your heart, and you will be saved. There's nothing you got to do. Just invite him into your heart, and that's it. You know, the Bible could be one, one, one verse. Just give your heart to the Lord, and, and that's it. Wow, all those other pages are in there. It's beyond me, but, you know, just, just invite me into your heart. You know, one, one paragraph, not one sentence. That's all we need from the Bible. <clears throat> But people that Christians don't believe in doing anything, they have to demonize others. They have to call someone like myself a legalist. They can't say, well, I don't believe in doing anything. Just, just, just go to church and that's it. That's all it makes you a Christian. Just believe, just accept. They can't say that. They have to lash out. They have to demonize others. They have to label others as legalists, because it makes them look bad. The legalists, you know, in their mind, people that believe in obeying God, it makes the ones who don't believe in obeying God, makes them look bad. Now again, a legalist is a person who believes that he can get right with God by obedience. I am not a legalist. I've never believed that. Now, but I am an obedient person, or at least try to be. An obedient person is a person who obeys God because it's the right thing to do. How hard is this? Big difference between an obedient person and a legalist. You cannot call a person who believes in obeying God a legalist. Now, you can demonize, you can label them, and that's very effective, by the way. In other words, an obedient person is not trying to earn anything from God. He's sure not trying to earn salvation by, obe by being obedient. 
You know, legalism is not the problem. Put this in your pipe and smoke it, preacher man. Legalism is not the problem. Rebellion is the problem. Don't you know that? You, can't, you mean to tell me you can't look at our nation and tell that legalism is not the problem. Ob uh, rebellion is the problem. Our sinful rebellion has always been the problem. You read the Bible, that's what it starts out with in the book of Genesis. You know, do this, don't do that. It's always been about rebellion. That rebellion is the problem. It's not legalism that is the problem. I mean, after all, how many people have you ever met, honestly, how many people have you ever met today who thought he could get right with God by obeying him? I'll, I've never met a person like that, to be honest. Now, maybe they existed in Jesus' day. I think they did. They were called Pharisees. But if you surveyed 100,000 Christians and you said, do you believe that you can get right with God by obeying him, that you can be justified, that you can be forgiven of your sins just by obeying him? I don't think out of 100,000, one would say yes. So I don't see legalism as the problem. And yet, what you, all I hear being preached is though legalism is the problem. Now just believe, just give your heart to the Lord. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We don't want any boasting around here. You know, don't want any works. You know, we just want to just sit back and, and invite Jesus into your heart. You know, it's almost as if... What I hear being preached is though legalism is the problem. Legalism is not the problem. Rebellion is the problem today. Rebellion. Now, I got to thinking that a lot of religious people who call, would, would call Jesus a legalist. They really would. Let's take a look at that. Matthew 19, verse 17. And he said to him, and he's speaking to the rich young ruler here that said, good, good, good master, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? And this was Jesus' this was Jesus' response in Matthew 19 and verse 17. And he said to him, Why do you call me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Yeah, they would call Jesus a legalist. Well, boy, Jesus, you're putting too much emphasis on. I mean, you're connecting up keeping the commandments with, with receiving eternal life here. Oh boy, evidently they would call, religious people would call Jesus a legalist. You know, religious people would call Paul a legalist. Romans 7 and verse 12, wherefore the law is holy, the commandments holy, just, and good. Oh my goodness, the apostle of grace here. Man, you need to back up a little bit and quit putting so much emphasis on the law of God. The law of God is holy, the commandments are holy, just, and good. Wait, 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 let's back up here, apostle of grace. I think you're getting a little bit off focus here. Yeah, I guess people would call Paul a legalist. I know they would call King David a legalist. Psalms 119 verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. Well, you can't love God's law. It's grace plus nothing. Yeah, I guess they would call David, a man after God's own heart, a legalist. They would definitely call John a legalist. Revelation 22 and verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. What? Have right to the tree of life by keeping his commandments? That's a legalist. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is it wrong to obey God? I'm surprised some preacher hadn't, hadn't come up with a, a sermon by that title. It's wrong to obey God. Or at least even try to obey God. Forget it. Don't even try it. You know, 
trying to obey God, trying to obey God does not make you a legalist. Let me explain it. Are you faithful to your wife? Are you faithful to your wife? Hopefully you are. Now, by being faithful to your wife, do you feel like God owes you anything? Do you feel like you're storing up brownie points? Do you feel like you are deserving of God's grace because you're faithful to your wife? Of course not. You're just faithful to your wife because it's the right thing to do. It's what makes your life work. It's what makes your marriage work. Yeah, and it is the seventh commandment, by the way. But you're not earning anything. You're not trying to earn anything by being obedient. Now, how are we made right in God's eyes? Let's take a look at it. Romans 3 and verse 24. It says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. This is how you're made right with God. It is a free gift. It is grace. We are justified, made right, freely by God's power, by God's grace. You know, even if you could, think about this, even if you could live right from this day forward, that would do nothing about all your past sins. What are you going to do about all your past? What are you going to do about your ugly past? How are you going to get right with that? Only one way. Grace. The power of God's grace. Forgiveness. Justified freely by His grace. Grace is how we are made right, and it is a free gift. Now, I want you to, uh, to imagine a coin. Okay, on one side of the coin is grace. On the other side of the coin is obedience. Grace is how we are justified. Obedience reveals our adoration, love, and respect toward God. Listen, it's not complicated. It's not, the only reason it seems complicated to you is because you've been brainwashed by churchianity, by your preacher, by religion is the reason it seems complicated. But it's not complicated at all. There are two types of Christians. Those who want to obey God and realize they fail miserably from time to time. And then there are those who do not want to obey God and have no intentions of ever obeying God, but want desperately to be religious and want desperately to appear religious to others. I never have figured out those people why anyone would want to look religious, but there's two types of people. Again, those who want to obey God and realize they fail miserably, and those who have no intentions, they don't want to obey God, and they have no intentions of ever obeying God, but they want to be religious. They want to go to church. They want to sing in the choir. They want to appear to others to be religious. <clears throat> now let's see what your Bible has to say about these two groups of people. Romans 2 and verse 13 says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God. In other words, the hearers, the ones who only hear it but don't take any action, they're not going to be justified by God's grace. In other words, those who don't want to obey God and have no intentions of obeying God, they cannot be justified by God's grace. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it. Now, I didn't say they couldn't be religious. I didn't say they couldn't go to church and all that good stuff. I'm just saying they're not justified. The hearers, not, for, let's read it again, for not the hearers of the law, are just before God. 
Alright, continue on. But the doers of the law shall be justified. We're talking about those who want to obey God and realize they fail miserably from time to time. Those are the ones that are going to be justified. These people come into a position to be justified by God's grace. The others, oh, they can be deeply religious, but God's not working with them. God's not working with the hearers of the law, okay? Let's read it again. Let's read it again. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, just or justified before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Now, understand something. The doers of the law are not justified by the law. That's not what it's saying. They're justified by grace. You got to understand this. The ones who do the law, they're not justified by the law. Because that's not the role of the law. The law can't justify anybody. The, the law can't make anybody right. You're justified by the grace of God. You're forgiven of your past sins. You're forgiven of sins when you commit them, you know, one at a time. You're justified by God's grace. So now, understand, the doers of the law are justified not by the law. They're justified by God's grace, but it is only the doers of the law. It is only, listen, listen closely. It is only the doers of the law that come into a position to be justified by God's grace. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. And don't ever let some church or some preacher tell you differently. It is the doers of the law that come into a position to be justified by God's grace. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.